Macalliar to Stokes, who's onside. Watch out! Here's Sims. It's a good serve this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it! Just a minute to play. That's stoppage time. Here's Letizia. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saints FC podcast. Uh, this week I'm joined by Tom Parker and you may notice that I haven't gone through the normal pleasantries that we exchange at the start of a normal episode. Uh, sadly, uh, my recording device malfunctioned, so you missed that and our analysis of the Saints Tottenham game. So we're going to get straight into Saints versus Leicester. Um, what is a slightly shorter podcast, but I hope you still enjoy it anyway. Uh, do let us know your thoughts, sexfcpodcast at gmail.com, and I shall endeavour to make sure the equipment is behaving itself properly uh, next time round. Saints won Leicester one Friday night game. Um, God, Sky were going really heavy on 9 0 for this one, weren't they? I mean, it was atypical. Yes, when are we going to show this, the Saints-Leicester game? Let's show it on a Friday night, like it was last time at St Mary's. And they just went in so hard on the 9-0. I, I thought it was kind of embarrassing, to be frank. And also, I think, you know, it's weird, isn't it, where they persist with having um, commentators on games that are heavily affiliated to those clubs. Mm. And Smudger, you know, is Leicester through and through. You can hear it by listening to him. And Martin Tyler had obviously been briefed and thought it was hilarious just to bang on about the 9-0. Um, I just, I I thought it was kind of cringe-worthy. Yeah. I mean, that, that sort of like Saints Twitter account, have either of the 9-0s been mentioned? <laughs> Pinged. <laughs> Did some numbers, didn't it, that night, John? Yeah. And, um, I mean... We'll get onto this a little bit more. So the, we start off and, I don't know, the first seven or eight minutes were as good as Saints have been in seven or eight minutes, I think, this season, weren't they? They were totally at the races, totally up for it, fired up. Um, Carl Walker-Peters had that goal disallowed for offside, which came from a really great break. Fantastic finish from a right back as well. Great pass. Even if he was fractionally offside. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and then and we, we have and Teller had a good chance, didn't he? Swiped at it. Yeah, Teller's Teller's a funny one, isn't it? Well, also let's talk about the lineup as well because no Bertrand. Um, you know, Minamino comes in for Ings. Um, no Bertrand. Jack Stevens, who can we say he's a favourite of the pod or is he not a? He's a favourite. I I like him. But I know a lot I think of he's like a cult hero of the pod, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, a I lot... know some of our listeners can't stand him. No, a lot of people have very strong feelings about Jack Stevens. Um, but actually, he's actually a pretty competent left back. Um, yeah, for, I mean, for a right-footed centre-back, he's covered himself quite well, hasn't he? 
Yeah. I mean, he played well against Newcastle as well earlier in the season, playing left back. Um, and I actually think he is probably one of our more sensible replacements because of he is so sensible and boring. He always doesn't try and be a left back. He just plays a centre back and left back. But but yeah, Saints started really well. Teller's chance. I feel with Teller because he's he doesn't. I think there's the makings of a really good player there. Um, I actually think he could be a better player for Saints than Minamino, a more suitable player for Saints. Sorry, mm. he's not technically as good, but a he's got time to become as good, and b. He seems to be more suited to the physical attributes of the Premier League, um, which I don't think Minamino probably is. Um, but yeah, it kind of just lifts in it off the turf as he goes to hit it and he scuffs it. Great work from Shay Adams again. And at this point, Saints are looking pretty good, John. Yeah, I mean, so I think Saints are looking great. Um, we then have the Vestergaard sending off incident. I have strong which- feelings. So I mean I I don't know Tom like the the like Southampton Football Club were involved in the social media boycott against uh, sort of like vile racist abuse which crops up on social media especially in Instagram and Twitter directed towards players and 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 I thought as the Saints of Sea podcast we should support this yeah um but very shortly after the start of this social media blackout I really desperately wanted to take to Twitter to go what on earth was that red card about I mean I would have probably worded it more strongly than that in a in a language that wouldn't be polite to put out um to all of our listeners but I was, I was absolutely fuming because yes less um Vestigar sort of miscontrols it but then he gets the ball perfectly well and passes it back to McCarthy, despite him being at full stretch. And then after he's passed the ball back to McCarthy, his leg obviously follows through to the on-rushing Jamie Vardy. And then it's it's given as a red card. And, and Tom, I just don't understand what the rules of football are anymore. Well, I think this is the, this is the problem, isn't it? That I think it's not just you, John. I think the referee... That I, so I watched it, and I was like, I saw him sent off. And I like had like dis I was disbelief. I was like, oh my god, it's gonna happen again. You know, under the floodlights, Friday night at St. Mary's, at home to Leicester, down to ten men after less than ten minutes, or what was it last time? Eleven minutes. And I I thought, here we go again. I thought this is like written in the stars. And then I saw the replay and I was like, it's okay, because VAR is gonna stop this. Yeah. I was so sure. I was like, it's okay, actually. I'm not annoyed. Because this is exactly what Vars here for. You can see he clearly gets the ball in the motion of getting the ball where his studs are not off the ground. His his foot getting the ball bounces back up and hits Jamie Vardy's ankle. But he clearly has the ball. Vardy is in no way anywhere near it or in any way in control of it. It bounces harmlessly through to McCarthy. I actually thought it probably was a foul. I thought it was, you know, in the modern game, if you get the ball but follow through, it's generally a foul. I thought it would be a yellow. I thought this would, oh, what are you going to see? You know, the ref's very eager. Jamie Vardy has been looking like, whether he was or not, I don't know, like he's in a lot of pain. Um, the game's on, you know, on Sky. A very young, like very young, was his like 10th game in the Premier League? The ref, yeah. His referee runs over and immediately brandishes the red card. And I, 
I thought it's okay, you know. And I'm looking, and I think that one of the most interesting things about it is if you watch the reaction of Jan Benderek and you watch the reaction of the Saints players, they're almost like it's okay because VAR's gonna bring this out. out. And then I just watched, so I watched like Vestergaard walking off, and I was like, well, at what point? Why is it going? I was when like, does the VAR check happen? And then they didn't. And I, I thought it was an astonishingly bad decision. Um, and I don't, you know, I'm not a big believer in conspiracy theories, but this is, a, it's surely this is the, how can they get it so wrong? Like, how can they look at that and think he has denied a goal scoring opportunity when Vardy isn't in control of the ball? But then I have my own theory about that. But it's such a weird, awful decision that I, I, I mean, Saints are appealing it. I think they must be pretty confident they're going to win the appeal. Um, but I just, I was mortified by it. And I think it, it ruins the game as a spectacle, doesn't it? I mean, it does. I mean, it, maybe it doesn't for others. But I, I mean, also, the whole decision was compounded by that, the the point you just made there, is that the red card was for denying a clear goal-scoring opportunity. Now, if you're denying, denying a clear goal-scoring opportunity by making a successful interception or tackle or lunge or pass back, is that not your job as a defender? I mean, if if the red card had been for dangerous play, then I could see perhaps there's an argument that he's lunging and he shouldn't lunge because he might hurt another player. But how could it be for preventing a goal-scoring opportunity if Vardy never has the ball and Vestergaard plays it back to McCarthy? Vardy was never getting that ball, is he? Even if he doesn't fall over, McCarthy's getting that ball before Vardy is. But then this is my theory, John. And and I might be um, uh, giving them too much credit here. Um, my theory is, is that they knew probably quite straight away they'd made a big mistake. And yeah. My theory is, is I wonder if, if they just said foul play, dangerous foul play, that's in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? And mm. today, whatever, if you think it's dangerous foul play and you're the referee, then, you know, that's that. I think the reason they gave it is denying clear goal scoring opportunities because they knew they'd made a cock up. And by denying, by saying it's denying clear goal scoring opportunity, they therefore give Saints leave to make a successful appeal. So they don't compound the original error by then having Vestergaard banned for one more game. That's um, very strange, though, isn't it, Tom? I mean, why do it? I mean, surely they should have just seen that they'd made the wrong decision and just stopped I, it. I just don't know how anyone could watch that replay and go, yeah, red card. Yeah. Yeah, that, that thing there, that's definitely, you know, he didn't get the ball. But yeah. then, I just don't get it. I just don't get um, how the Premier League, you know, and let's face it, it's not really a sport, it's an entertainment product. And if you went to the theatre and you paid £85 to watch a, a musical and, you know, nine minutes into a 90-minute musical, one of the main characters' microphones broke, you know, and therefore you couldn't get, you know, it was Hamilton and you couldn't hear, you know, Hamilton sing, you'd go, this is pretty bad entertainment product. Like, this shouldn't happen. And football needs to think about it. If, if football believes it's an entertainment product, and let's face it, it is now, it needs to have rigorous standards and it loses itself it loses its entertainment value 
when decisions are being made which are so uh, harmful to it as a to the game as a spectacle. Yeah, and I think at this point as well, the game completely changes because uh, before this, I think everyone's looking at this game. Well, Saints are really at the races. They're going to get a goal here. They're looking really, really good. Um, after this happens, everyone's thinking, everyone's triggered by it. I'm triggered by it. You're triggered by it. Everyone's thinking, oh, God, here we go again. It's going to be 9-0. Um, I think the big difference here between the other two 9-0s or the two nine nails that have, that have gone before is um, Ralph is quicker to react here. Yes, and he immediately, nearly immediately, takes off Teller and brings on Salisi, so that we have a full defensive complement. And then he says, "Break us down." Yeah, um, and leaves Shea Adams up front, which is the right thing to do. Um, I thought. Just in case I forget, but Shea Adams, amazing. A lot of people were saying Redmond should have been taken off instead of Teller. And this is why I think, I'm going to explain why I think Ralph got it right here. Redmond is one of the few players that can take the ball, hold the ball, dribble with the ball, and hold on to it for longer. When you've got your backs against the wall and you're booting it out and you've either got Redmond or Adams kind of running onto it to try and get it, I think Redmond holding the ball, even if he dribbles past three players and then gives it away, is better than someone who can't do that and it just comes straight back at you, comes straight back at you, comes straight back at you. And actually, I thought Redmond did really, really well. So that I'm just sticking up for him here as well after yeah. seeing some of the comments about his performance because I thought he did fantastically. He's also an experienced wise head, isn't he? And Teller, mm. for all his undoubted talents, is not. He's, he's, a, you know, he's quite a rookie player. Um, I, I think he had a really good game. I think Adams had a really, really strong game. But you're right. I think at that point, the, the game just completely changes. Um, but Ralph, you know, doing what he hadn't done previously, like you say, immediately makes the changes. Um, and... Saints actually, you know what? They look pretty good, mm. don't they? They look, they look not comfortable, but they look pretty okay with what's going on. I mean, Leicester were creating lots of chances. I think they created, I don't know, like twenty-two versus the twenty-six chances that they had in the other fixture. Um, but in the in last season's game, every time they surged forward, every chance they had was good. And they finished it. And in this game, you know, they might have had 22 chances, but none of them were particularly great. There were probably three chances that were good for Leicester in the entire game. I would agree. Um, Madison was just kind of taking pot shots. Oh, yeah. I mean, they had quite a few shots that went up into Rose Ed. And, and if you're managing to limit a team that has got one more player than you, has got the tactics and the nous to be able to really stretch you and defeat you and hurt you as they have done before to limit their players to shooting into rose ed from miles away is absolutely fine yeah i'd agree and i i think it this was a you know this is a cliche isn't it again in football but that it was almost like a season defined performance wasn't it defined performance i think i was not I, you know, I think, um, what do you want? Let's talk about the second half and then we'll talk about what it meant. But yeah. I, I feel, I feel quite strongly about this game. 
Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, second half, we get a penalty. And it is a penalty, John. And it's a legitimate penalty from a, from a handball. And um, James Will-Prowse steps up and we're all thinking, God, James Will-Prowse really isn't that great at penalties. Um, I think and that was his sixth one now, and he scored three. Good at saving them, isn't he, as well? Yeah. But th- this penalty was perfect, wasn't it? It was low, it was hard, it was close enough to the corner that even though Schmeichel guessed right or dived right, there was no chance that he could get it. Yeah. Unsavable is the category I put that into. I think that's any yeah. keeper you put there, that's going in. Yeah, and I thought um, fair play to all prowls as well, because obviously had a bit of a shonky penalty against West Brom. The team aren't playing particularly well. Well, that's an understatement. Um, you know, yeah. over the course of the last probably 12 games or so. But he stood up and he was counted, wasn't he? And I, I thought... Takes, I know he is the penalty taker because so he doesn't really get a choice, but takes guts to rather than just smash it, but to to do what he did. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, kudos to James Will Prowse. I think he's got pretty good. He's got pretty good return this year now, hasn't he? He's the most in terms of goal contributions, goals and uh, assists. He in in terms of midfielders in the Premier League, he's the number one English midfielder. And he's only behind De Bruyne and someone else whose name escapes me in terms of goal contributions. Goal contributions. Yeah. And he's got eight goals in the Premier League this season. Is that his career high? Uh, yes, he had seven in the eighteen nineteen season. Yeah. Oh, yeah you got, uh, he's going to... Probably be the most important player for Saints through these next five games, isn't he? Yeah, and if if he plays all five games, Tom, that will be 38 of all 38 Premier League games completed, which would go on last season's record of 38 of 38 Premier League games completed. Touch wood. What I mean, what a player. Yeah. What a captain. We're very fantastic. Well, you know, we were critical of him in the past, but my God, like the guy is an animal. Yeah. Um, really pleased uh, for him. Wasn't very pleased when Barnes got his equaliser. Yeah, Johnny Evans. Uh, uh, did I say I said Barnes? Yeah, Johnny Evans. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it was kind of coming, but it was a stupid goal to concede, wasn't it? It was annoying. And then I thought when Vardy broke through and he was one on one in front of McCarthy from not very far out, I thought that was it. And then he hits it at McCarthy's foot, doesn't he? Yeah, McCarthy had a good game. Yeah, he did. Much better than the previous uh, game against Leicester last season at St Mary's. Well, that was, yeah, that was Angus Gunn, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was, yeah. That was the end of Gunn. Gunn that was, was the end of Gunn. Gunn was fired. <laughs> uh, decommissioned. Um, yeah, I thought the equaliser was frustrating because it's kind of one of those ones where if you have a really aggressive centre-back, a la like John Terry or Nemanja Vidic, they get that ball. Mm. <coughs> but we obviously have uh, Jan Benrek, um, who is, is, let's say, to say I don't think would you'd class him in the aggressive calibre of centre-backs. No. Um, we make it to the end, and this was a draw that felt as sweet as a win. Oh, God, yeah. 100%. 
I sort of maybe may may have stood up in my front room and started making V signs and saying rude things about Martin Tyler and Sky Sports and their narrative that they were trying to push. I felt defiant, Tom. That's what I'm telling you. I think you're entitled to. I think um, it was clear. You know, I don't believe I don't believe again that there's like a conspiracy you know, referee get players sent off to try and recreate that to make good TV, but. I think what what's frustrating is the obvious zest by which Martin Tyler and Alan Smith spoke about it. Mm. And I, I felt that was kind of, that was kind of this, just in poor taste and also just kind of unprofessional. Because like, fundamentally, they're journalists. You know, they might be TV commentators, but first and foremost, they're journalists. And, you know, Alan Smith didn't, but I guarantee Martin Tyler would have started out his career in sports journalism or journalism or something, and I think some nature, and I think, you know, they kind of lose their kind of, you know, they're there for both sets of fans, and then they're there for the neutral. But if you completely turn off one entire set of fans, then, you know, you're losing a third of your audience, aren't you? Um, yeah, I mean, I was pretty annoyed by it, but then it gave me something to feel, to, you know, sort of behave like I might behave. To, no, I'm not that sort of fan. But, you know, sort of behave maybe like I would in the away end at a football match yeah. after a defiant performance. So, yeah, I, I have to thank him for that. But, yeah, you're right. He was the ghostwriter on Football Pundit Jimmy Hill's column in The Times back in the 1960s. There you go, see? But that's my point. Is You know, journalists who I work with, uh, every day uh, for my sins, um, you know, generally a really, really good bunch and, and they have like editorial standards. And I felt that they, Sky, again, in this drive to turn it into an entertainment product, you lose those a little bit. Yeah. Um, I also felt like here, Tom, we actually, it, Ralph is always very good for a little soundbite. So like, oh yeah, there's no guarantees in football, go and get a washing machine or we win or we learn. I finally, I felt like the we win or we learn had become a bit of a hollow statement and I didn't really think that he was following that statement um, yeah, in recent months. Over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. And not changing things. And you know, I don't think there was much learning being shown by Ralph or the, or the squad. This time it felt like we had learned. I mean, it's a shame that it's taken us two massive, massive awful defeats that we're going to be reminded about for the rest of our lives as Saints fans to learn the lesson. But we have finally learned a lesson here, haven't we? I would I would hope so. I think part of the lesson as well is that the teams in the the good teams in the Premier League and Leicester are definitely in that category are now so good, aren't they? And they have players that can hurt you all over the pitch. And to be fair, credit to 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 Leicester, you know, their recruitment is so good, isn't it? Um, if you look at like we get players, we we spoke about this last time round. You know, Saints are still paying the price, you know, metaphorically and literally for bad signings, big bad signings. And if you look at some of the players Leicester have signed, like Castanier, Fofana, Ndidi, um, Tielemans, these are really, really, really good. Let's be honest, Johnny Evans, three million quid yeah. from West Brom. I mean, that's a great sign. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Kasper Schmeichel. Um, you know, Vardy's still, I know he's on a bit of a 
Paul Ron, but he's still doing it. Ineacho, I'm actually surprised at all the surprise at Ineacho because I don't know if, I mean, he used to sort of seemingly score against Saints every single time he played for them against against, Man, against, against, uh, against Saints for Man City. Yeah, I, d- I don't think there's any Saints fans that are surprised by Ineacho's rise. And I, I just, think we're, we're seeing it coming. A lethally, like a ridiculously deadly efficient striker. Mm. Um, but, um, but yeah, credit to Leicester. But, but look, season defined. They, they are the model, though, aren't they, for a club the size of Southampton? Yep. To follow, if you get your recruitment right, get your managerial appointments right, create a good feeling in the club, then you can achieve amazing things, really. Yeah, and if you think about it, the way that um, it. You would argue that, I mean, one of the things you read about modern footballers is they all want to be in London or Manchester. Yeah, if they have to move to the UK and it's not London, then they want to be in Manchester. But Leicester is as far away from any, you know, from any, from Birmingham. Well, not as far from Birmingham, but as as Southampton is from London almost. Mm. And so, you know, the players are going there because they're creating the right working culture and the right environment for them to progress as players. And I thought it was quite interesting. I mean, also, maybe you don't want to sign players whose main ambition is to live in London. Maybe you want to sign players whose main ambition is to achieve something at the football club. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're going to earn millions of pounds in their careers. The chance to go and drink in wanky rooftop bars is going to come, Tom. Yeah. Places where you and I go, John. (laughs) Where I used to go, Tom. Now now I just go and sit in the mud in Dartmoor. (laughs) Well, think, That's as good as it gets. I think it's um I, I think they are the model and I, you know all credit to them. My frustration with them this season is they didn't have to work that hard to beat Saints in that semi-final. Yeah. And that that's what's going to really stick in the stick in the crawl this season. But um but I think a season defining result not not a season defining but I, I guess like I was genuinely concerned about the prospect of relegation. I know that Saints fans, like were, a lot of them, were like, well, we're never going to get relegated. But it wasn't unfeasible that we could lose every single game for the rest of the season. It was sort of looking that way, wasn't it? And it wasn't unfeasible that Fulham would pick up the points. So I think it was such an important game because I think it kind of, it didn't get the point that kept us up, but it probably is the point that, that means that Fulham and West Brom know that it's almost not going to happen for them. Yeah. Which is weird. Newcastle and Burnley are actually below Saints, aren't they? But they don't... Only only one point below, isn't it? It's all quite close. They've been picking up results. And Saints, apart from the Burnley match, haven't. Saints have been a free-for, haven't they? So it felt like a really important result. I, I, I think you're right. I think it did feel really, really important. And, um, you know, Fulham's form has dropped off quite significantly as well. So they were on a really good run. But now they've only had one point from their last five games. It's all over for them now, I think, Think Tom. You you would think so. I mean, looking at the table, it looks like it's over for West Brom. Um, Saints are going to have to be something tremendously unfortunate. It's going to have to happen to Saints, isn't it, for for them to to go down? Just looking now, I think that's what we got. Five games left. 
what Fulham have got to win every single one. Well, Fulham have only got four games left, and they're ten points behind us. So they need to win three and draw one, and make sure they beat us. Yes, and Saints, and they've got a worse goal difference, and then Saints have to lose all five. Yeah, are we safe now, Tom? I think you could probably say we're safe. I think the Leicester. I think I think as well. Like, if you think outside of the points. The, I imagine the importance of mentally securing that point is almost as important as the point itself, if that makes any sense. I, I think it makes total sense. It's almost like the point that proves that we're capable of getting more points this season. Yeah. And the performance, I, I suppose. Yes, and, and the performance that, and, and I don't know um, how many of our listeners um, um, follow uh Glenda Lacour, I think, is he on Twitter? Yeah. Um, he's a really good Saints fan. And every week he has a really good um, analysis of uh, on his League Minus 10 blog um, of, of the game. And I think one of the points he made, which was a really good one, is it showed the players are still playing for Ralph. Yeah. Um, which I don't think I was 100% sure of a few games ago. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think there's been a number of games. I know, you know, pick pick your fancy, but like I, I was thinking about the Brighton game. You know how bad mm. we're in that game. Bright. I mean, if you look, like we've lost. Just looking at this table in front of me now, we've lost recently to Brighton, Newcastle, and West Brom. We lost three 0 to West Brom. I mean, what the hell? I mean, that really was dreadful, wasn't it? And that's when you started to question whether the players were still playing for Ralph. But I think the Leicester games put that to, to bed. And also, I think secured our Premier League status, hopefully. Um, so the next three fixtures coming up in quite rapid succession. We've got uh, Liverpool on Saturday. Interesting. Yeah. Um, then we've got Palace Tuesday next week. And then Fulham. The following Saturday, say so, nine points. Mom. <laughs> nine points. <laughs> well, uh, oh, yeah. well, what's what's going to happen in the Liverpool game then, Tom? I mean, they're going to be very well rested. Are they Do you be think t- there's going to be a protest at Anfield? Do you think the Liverpool fans might protest against European Super League, seeing what the Manchester United fans have done? They're not going to want to be outdone by the Man United fans, are they? Well, I, I think it's I think this is a slightly different situation, isn't it? Because a um, uh, I think that John Henry, is it, the Liverpool guy? Mm. He did, you know, like it, in my job is I do PR. And one of the things I would have said if I'd have been at one of these clubs is I'd have said, you need to go out there and you need to say sorry. You got it wrong and you'll learn from it. That is like the classic, like corporate cock up threesome that you have to do. You have to say sorry. So you got it wrong and you have to say learn from it. And that's what Liverpool did. You know, John Henry released a video where he apologised to the fans. And also, I think, you know, they've been winning, haven't they? Mm. So, like, and they've, and they've put their money where their mouth is. They've signed the best players. on. They've signed the best centre-back in the world. Sadio Mane is one of the best forwards in the world. They've invested big money. Um, May United have signed players that aren't of that calibre, you would argue. Or, or, they've, or when they've signed big players, they've arguably signed the wrong big players. So they signed Pogba and then they spent loads of money on Maguire, both of which, you know, 
probably not the world's best signing. So I think I don't think you'll see it on on, Merse, on Merseyside on Saturday. Um, I, don't, I don't think you will. Uh, I think. Um, but what will be interesting is whether Liverpool will be too rested. Is that possible? Can Liverpool be too rested? Uh, I don't know, Tom. I mean, we couldn't even beat Tottenham when they had Ryan Mason, you know, <laughs> younger than both of us, quite significantly managing a Premier League football team. Also, can we just have a little laugh at Tottenham because they sacked Mourinho thinking they were getting the money from the from the Super League and that was going to pay for his compensation fee. They've got themselves a big old bill to pay there now. I mean, looking at Liverpool's last game, you know, they considered a 95-minute equaliser, 95-minute equaliser uh, you know, against Newcastle. I mean, they lost six on the bounce at home earlier this year, John. Um, and I mean, I, I'd love it. Do you think Ralph would break down in tears again if we managed to beat Liverpool? I think I might do. I mean, it, it will have been two weeks since their last game. Yeah. Which is a long time. Or do we rest all of our players for this one and then go big against Palace at home on Tuesday? I don't think they do because I don't think we have the ability to rest players. No. I mean, like, I mean, like if you think about it, I mean, he's talking about dropping McCarthy. He said he's going to drop McCarthy, isn't he? Which I think is mad. Um, but I mean, you, you physically, you know, we don't have another left back because we've already got a centre back playing left back. Yeah, you could probably swap out if, assuming Restegard's appeal is successful. I would actually drop Bednarek and bring in Salisu because um, I think Salisu looks a different gravy. And also Liverpool have reams of pace and yeah. it gives you that. But we can't drop a right back. I mean, we know that's probably our worst position to try and drop a player. We're never going to drop James Ward-Prowse. We don't have enough forwards. Yeah, we can mix them up. You've got to play Armstrong in every game. You have to play Armstrong in every game. Um, you don't have Danny Ings, so one of Walcott or Redmond is going to play. Teller might get a chance. Um, the team names itself. So 1-0 win for Saints at Anfield with Teller getting the goal? Yeah, are we all joking aside, though? Like, oh, Saints I, I'm guessing Minamino can't play, can he? Minamino Either. can't play. A Saints win is not impossible here. <laughs> I love how hard optimism has changed you know we've just shown a little bit of resilience for one game and this is it this that's that's the sign that we were looking for tom yeah but it's not that um john they're not they're not the liverpool they were last season yeah don't go wrong they'll still beat they'll probably still beat us but like you know they're not um they've lost a lot of games yeah Tom, let's wrap up the podcast here uh, on that note that we're going to go and beat Liverpool. We've got Palace and Fulham again, so I think we'll have three games to talk about probably next time we chat, unless the game against Liverpool is so good that we just have to squeeze in a podcast before Palace. I can't see that happening. Life is too busy, man. Um, Big shout out to Jacob Tanswell, who's just consistently knocking out the best writing on Saints consistently week in, week out. Did he catch his latest one on Prost International? I did, and I, I drunkenly tweeted about it on Saturday night. Um, so thanks for paying attention to my social media output, John. Um, yeah, I, look, Jacob, who has been on the pod a few times, and who is, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, a literal child, genius, um, has written a brilliant article. If you haven't read, it's the most insightful piece of, re- of writing about Saints this season. 
And it's fascinating because it talks about the stuff that you or I and that 99.9% of people will just never see. Doesn't it, John? It talks about things like Saints in the build up to the game, their warm up being designed to mislead the Leicester scouts watching them. Well, not only their warm up, but also the way they set out just for the first couple of minutes of the game as well. Yeah. It's just really interesting because it just shows you how much the game has has changed, doesn't it? And it makes me laugh when you see like these dinosaurs like Roy Keane and people like that that you know never got anywhere in management and you just see they, they probably just would never dream of thinking about that kind of again like subterfuge. Mm. Um, it's a great piece and, and I would really encourage everyone to read it because also it fills you with a bit of hope and it, it makes you realise that you know what there is a plan and that if they invest enough in this team, this team can do some really good stuff. Yeah. Um, and for those of you that are trying to remember what the Galstow voucher code was, it's J-O-H-N, John, 42051224. But you can just email me, saintsofcpodcast at gmail.com, and I'll go give you your money off. Tom, lovely to see you. I'm sorry that my webcam wasn't working this evening, so you can't see me back. But I know what you look like. You know what I look like. Um, listeners, thank you very much uh, for joining us once again. Um, do let us know your thoughts. We're on Twitter. We're on, we have email addresses. You know, you know how to get in contact. So do it. Um, but bye bye. Have a good one.